All right, Andrew. I'm used to a much taller pulpit here. I needed my reading glasses for something this far away. A reading from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making His appeal through us. We entreat you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Well, again, thank you all for having me here. It's a pleasure to, to be in Birmingham again. A greetings from St. George's, Nashville. This idea about being reconciled to God, maybe sometimes better understood that God has made us His friends. A covenant word, friends. We, we have been drawn to Him. And it says He's not counting our sins against us. And I think this is the heart of the gospel. God is no longer counting. He has initiated bringing us back, reconciling us to Himself through Christ. No longer counting. There is no accounting department in the heart of God. He doesn't think of you in terms of your sin. He is not weighing one thing against another when you are on His mind. He doesn't think of you with sin on His mind. Sin has been handled, and He is the one who has handled it. I don't know how else to say it. God is not counting. But... We've got the notion, the idea that God perhaps is angry with us, is it mad at us, and somehow Jesus comes into the picture perhaps to uh, twist this angry God's arm behind His back so that He will like us. So that Jesus comes and says, you know, I, I died for them, Father. And, and the Father says, well, all shucks. So, you know, okay, uh, I guess I can be friendly to them. This is sometimes a notion that we have. But no, this is the entire work of the Father, Son, and Spirit that God was in Christ doing the reconciliation to bring us back, that it's not separate, that this is a holy conspiracy in the Trinity to make you and me members of the family of God. He started it. But it's us who walk away from God. He never stopped loving us. You know, if one of my four daughters, if one of my children disobeys, amazingly, it never crosses my mind to get rid of her. And I'm sinful and perhaps an evil person. And it never once crosses my mind to get rid of her. And yet, we often attribute this characteristic to God, whose very essence is self-giving love. 
It's us who have insisted upon our independence, that we want to be the masters of our own domain. And that, of course, is the essence of sin. All of the bad behaviors that we hear about in regards to sin are simply uh, spots on the measles. They're the symptoms of this declaration of independence that we have. And once we think we're the master, we're capable of anything. But God has dealt with our sin in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, a familiar passage, we'll put it this way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. It's as if God has lifted out of you your sin and put it on Christ. So then what happens to Him happens to me. Christ is acting as me. He has taken my sin, my iniquity. It's been laid upon Him. He's taken the history of Malone and all the sordid things that I've done and He has made it His own. It's been laid on Christ. But more than that, Isaiah will go on and say, Surely our griefs He Himself bore and our sorrows He carried In the Hebrews, their words often evoked pictures, and there are two important words here. One, these griefs that he bore. Grief is is the idea of pain, physical hurt, sickness, disease, the, the whole spectrum of pain that he bore for me, but also these sorrows that he carried. And the idea behind these sorrows is more mental anguish, utter blackness of mind, despair, depression, that the idea is that you've been caught in the crossfire of a battle. You're on the battlefield dying, but caught in the crossfire, and you've got nowhere to go. But He Himself has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So He's taken the entire universe of sin, but also the sins of others that we've been caught in the crossfire, from whatever age that may be. The results of sin which affect us all. And here in Corinthians, we hear Paul declare that it's finished, that the books are closed, that God is no longer counting, not counting our trespasses. Well, there's an interesting expression in the Old Testament, also within Isaiah, in his 40th chapter. And it says this, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Kindly speak to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Well, on the face of it, That sounds like she's going to receive a double whopping, doesn't it? Receive double for all your sins. She's in real trouble at this point. But that's not what this means. Actually, what this is, is when a person was at the end of their rope, they were indebted. They couldn't pay their bills. There was nothing else they could do. They could write out on their sheepskin or whatever, I owe this much to this person and just make a complete list of all of their indebtedness, things that they could not pay back, an entire exposure of who they are. 
completely vulnerable. Write this out. This is my debt. This is what I cannot ever repay. And they would post this on the gate of the town for everyone to see. So everyone who walked by could see that this person, their full exposure, had no resources in and of themselves to do anything about their indebtedness. You're a person in debt. You cannot pay your bills. Well, your hope was that there might be someone who was wealthy, that was compassionate, that would come by and see this uh, flapping in the wind. And if they had the money and they had the compassion, they would take this sheepskin and read it. Then they would double it over. The Hebrew word for fold, double it over. And they would write their name on it. I will pay the debt. And they would nail it back to the gate, doubled over. And it was called giving the double. So for all of her sins, Israel has received the double. All of my indebtedness to God, He writes His name in the blood of Christ on this parchment and says it has been paid in full. It is over. I'm no longer counting. And this transcends time. So every time we come to the Eucharist, we are there. In that very moment, sin has been dealt with. It's all been met in our Savior Jesus Christ. Well, Jeremiah will also pick up on this, saying, Your sin and iniquity I will remember no more, says the Lord. This means, again, they're trying to tell us it's been dealt with. I mean, if you're sick and you go into the hospital with a particular ailment and the doctor walks into you and says, This sickness and disease I will remember no more, I sure hope it's been cured. Don't you? If he says, I'm not going to think about it anymore, I hope he's not just walking out giving up. Know that it's been dealt with. I read a story recently, and uh, it spoke to me about this point. This, this woman was, uh, had come to her minister and said, I really need to get something off my chest. She said, for years I have carried the weight of... Uh, the fact that I've had an abortion on my conscience, it really has troubled me. And she said, while I have dealt with this somewhat, I became serious with a man and felt like I needed to tell him. And, and we began to date, and I thought, you know, it's time for me to tell him. But I, I continued to put it off until we got engaged. And I thought, you know, he really needs to know this, uh, and I need to tell him. But I chickened out and, and didn't say anything. So now uh, we've gotten married, and we're recently married, and I feel like I really need to tell him what we've done, what I've done. And the minister related the gospel to her. And she said, you know what, Pastor, thank you so much for what you said, because now I feel like I can go and tell him about this abortion. And regardless of what you think of this, this is what the pastor said. What abortion? Not counting their trespasses against them. There is no accounting department in the heart of God. But, you know, we all have our own set of books, don't we? God may not, but we keep 
counting. Our attitude, in fact, I think mine certainly towards God, is one of suspicion. You say you're not counting, but, but I see something here that I believe you've, you've overlooked. Do we take God seriously here that He's no longer counting? My audit says that you've made a mistake. God, I've reviewed my books. You've skipped something. There's been a terrible oversight in your accounting department. You can't just look at this and say you're not counting. And I can relate to this. You know the the parable of the prodigal son. The the younger son, whatever, gets his uh, inheritance, goes off, squanders the money, and he decides he's going to come back home, really to get a job um, more than anything. It's not so much that he's realized the errors of his ways. He's just got nowhere else to go. So you'll know, he he, uh, says in his mind, my father is a fair-minded steward of the day laborers who come. He'll feed them well. Perhaps he will just give me a job. Make me one of his hired servants is the way Luke talks about this. And I can work there and maybe uh, get fed well. Temporary employment. Arm's length relationship. And he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've taken the family name to the bottom of the barrel. He's basically asking for some charity. Well, as you know the parable, he's rehearsed his speech and he's on his way to his father's house. And his father sees him, runs out to him and basically says, shut up. Stops him in the middle of his speech. Grabs him, kisses him all over and says, this is my son. He was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost and now found. Bring the rope, bring the ring, bring the shoes. The boy came home counting with his books. I'm in deep trouble here. Maybe I can just get hired as a day laborer. But the father had taken the books and thrown them away. The father was no longer counting. He's not counting. God doesn't go back and do autopsies. He doesn't go over the carcasses of our past and exhume our sins and iniquities. But we have a helpful elder brother, again in this story of the prodigal son, who does want to be the medical examiner, doesn't he? This son of yours, look at what he's done. He's taken our name to the bottom. And the father shuts him up and says, let's celebrate. It's really most difficult. We remember our sin, and it's the nature of our flesh. I look at myself and I say... God, you must have it wrong because I don't seem to be getting any better. I continue to sin. I'm bad. And as I bring the law of standards to my past and to my present, I say I don't measure up. I'm I'm no good. I should have been able to handle life better. But I just can't. I don't measure up. I'm no good. And we get smaller and we hide in our holes or we posture and preen. If only I had done this. If only I had done this. But I didn't. So there must be something wrong with me. And we keep counting. We keep counting. How can I ever look at God or seek solace in Him? Well, maybe if I try harder. If I'll do better. You know what? Maybe I can relive life again. How ridiculous this is, though. Uh, But we do it all the time. We can't go back and cancel what we've done in the past And this law will just continue to keep us in despair and hopelessness.
But God, even as we are dead in our sins, has made us alive in Christ, through whom He was reconciling the world back to Himself, not counting their trespasses. He has taken this and caused it all to meet in His Son. In the shedding of blood we are set free, and it's not a fiction. As this letter to the Corinthians will say, we're actually a new creation. Well, counting our past sins is futile. Around in the darkness we'll go, we hide, and again we pretend maybe that things never happened, like Adam with his fig leaves, perhaps even blaming someone else. It can make us physically sick, continually trying to be good enough to relive a life that can't be relived. And again, if we are counting, we think someone else must be counting. Certainly God on the sly somewhere in the back room, He must be counting. So we may walk in hunched over, afraid. We may hear people talk about joy and peace and say, is it true? If I had only done this, maybe I can participate in some of that. I can tell you, (laughs) I would come to church and sit in the pew and I would think, there's God and He's looking down and He says, oh, you're here and you're here and it's, oh, it's good to see you. And then He would come to me and look amazed and say, why are you here? Because I felt like He was counting. God is not counting. The accounting department is closed in the heart of God. It has been removed. We have been forgiven. Taken into His heart like the Father in the parable of the prodigal son. He is saying to us, shut up. Let's celebrate. So while religion and the elder brother is counting sins and nitpicking, God is dancing the polka on the front porch with the prodigal. He's screaming at us. I love you. Burn those books. I'm safe. He is safe, but His light will uncover my darkness and all of my lies. The light of God exposing my entire indebtedness like the sheepskin nailed to that gate but it's the safest place in the universe. That light is love. I can come out of my denial. I can come out of the darkness of lies and blame shifting my cover of fig leaves because I'm loved. So we confess our sins, not simply to own up to our indebtedness, but the recognition that it has been forgiven in our Savior Christ. Our exposed sin, not meant to condemn us, but to drive us into the heart of one who has given us the double and written his name in blood on the front. And it sounds to me like it should be illegal. How can this be so? It's true. How sweet it is to be able to come to a community of faith and hear the gospel and not get a dose of religious anxiety. You have peace with God. You have been given the double. The Holy Spirit is here and makes this real in our hearts. This is the truth. But, I'm far more at home with the elder brother in the parable. This son of yours, he's done this and he's squandered everything. He's been irresponsible. And you're celebrating him. 
And I think, the kid's right. The elder brother's right. But he's wrong. In God's world, our common sense is nonsense. We think it just can't be. And this, for us then, is the fight of faith. God comes to us and says, I'm not counting. The blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin by faith believing this, just daring to hope that this is true, might give me the courage to leap into the arms of God's grace and His love and to join in the thanksgiving. Perhaps I might even learn to polka on the front porch. Amen.